it's time for episode 530 of the podcast devoted to the classic and sometimes the not-so-classic genre cinema of yesteryear, usually. It's Monster Kid Radio, and I am your writer, host, producer, Derek M. Cook. In the background, you can hear the song Percolator. It is from the band Frankie and the Pool Boys. You can find them at frankieandthepoolboys.bandcamp.com or look them up on Facebook or just follow the link in the show notes at monsterkidradio.net to check out this song, which you can listen to for free. It just came out on June 4th from High Tide Recordings, and they gave us permission to play the song here on the show. And you'll get to hear it in its entirety at the end of this episode. So, at the end of last week's episode, I announced that I didn't know what I was going to be doing this week. I had a recording scheduled and then some mismanagement of time and I blew it and it just didn't happen. Now I'm rescheduling. And at this point, last week, I had no clue what I was going to do. And when I said something on the show, a number of you reached out to me. A handful of you were like, hey, you know, I can come on. I can come on last minute. You know, no problem. The first person to reach out to me, though, was Robert Kelly from the Record All Monsters podcast. And I thought, since I'm going to be guesting on his podcast that comes out tomorrow, let's get Robert Kelly on our show here on Monster Kid Radio. And then tomorrow you can catch me on his podcast, Record All Monsters. What are we going to talk about? Well, Robert loves the big monsters so do i so we're going to take a look at what legendary has done with the big two godzilla and king kong and just kind of skip through that franchise talking a little bit about what we like about it what we hope happens next that sort of thing it was a fun laid-back easy conversation and that's one of the things that i love about this show is that it doesn't matter who i'm talking to it's going to be a good time because we're all brought together by this topic of just monster movies and and our love and our passion for these things so big thanks to robert for offering to be on the show and i'm eager for you guys and gals to hear his conversation or his uh, contribution to this week's episode now kenny normally does the look at famous monsters of film land however because of the topic this week and everything there really isn't anything for kenny to uh, talk about when it comes to famous monsters of film land so he's taking the week off it's okay. He'll be around. You know, he's not going to be far, and I'm sure we can come up with something for him to talk about next time. If he has time, he's always welcome to contribute something here to the show. Mark Matsky, though, he does have something to contribute to the show. He's got another beta capsule review looking at another episode of Ultraman, and I know I say this all the time, but this is another one of my favorite Ultraman episodes, and when you hear Mark talk about it, I think it'll be one of your favorites, too. Especially if you haven't seen it yet. You need to check it out, though. I highly recommend this and all things Ultraman. Big thanks to Mark for sending that in. And actually sending it in early because he had to be out of town uh, for a few weeks. He was going to miss a few weeks here. And he just sent me some stuff in advance. So thank you for doing that, Mark. All right. Let's go ahead and get into the bulk of this episode. Well, I mean, we got Mark's Beta Capsule Review. We got Robert Kelly. We've got Godzilla. We've got King Kong. We've got, well you waiting for me to shut my trap and get on with the rest of the show. <laughs> Please, we're doing all we can for you. We're trying to bring you back down to normal size. You do think I'm a freak, don't you? But you know, to me, you're the freak, the one who's different. I'm not growing. You're shrinking. 
<laughs> he started as a normal human being. But now each day he doubles in size. Where will it stop? The amazing colossal man. Colonel, he's been reported in Las Vegas. Impossible. How can he walk 120 miles in only an hour? Impossible. Not when you're 60 feet tall. The amazing colossal man. You are getting smaller. There's no medical precedent for what's happening to you. I, I simply know that you're getting smaller. I want you to start thinking about us, our marriage. Some awful things might happen. As long as you've got this wedding ring on, you've got me. This is Orson Welles speaking. I have 45 seconds to tell you about something I think you'll remember the longest day you live. It's about a man named Scott Carey. A few months ago, he was six feet, two inches tall and weighed 190 pounds. Today, he's two inches tall and you can hold him in the palm of your hand. Now he lives in a world where he must fight for his life, a world where a friendly house cat is a predatory monster. Incredible, because it's almost beyond imagining. Incredible, because every hour he gets smaller and smaller. Incredible, because every moment the terror mounts. Dr. Lee Cushing. Welcome to my Chamber of Horrors. Dr. Cushing's Chamber of Horrors is a monster rally novel in the tradition of the classic Universal and Hammer horror film. It's written by Stephen D. Sullivan, the award-winning author of White Zombie, Daikaiju Attack, Manos the Hands of Fate, and one of the creators of the original chill role-playing game. This book recreates the thrills of the classic monster versus monster film. We've got vampires, werewolves, Mummies, psychic twins, scheming madmen, and plenty of unexpected chills. Now you can get Dr. Cushing's Chamber of Horrors in print or for Kindle at Amazon.com and other fine retailers. Coming soon in other ebook formats. Find out more at CushingHorrors.com or SDSullivan.com and support Steve's work through Patreon at PaySteve.com. I do hope you've enjoyed your visit. Please come again, and remember, the chamber is always waiting for its next victim. Live from the Land of Light in Nebula M78, home of the mighty Ultra Heroes, it's Monster Kid Radio's Beta Capsule Review.
Science Patrol member Akiko Fuji takes center stage in the 14th episode of Ultraman with a vested interest in leading the Pearl Defense Directive. It's payday, and Fuji and Ide hit the shopping district. While admiring pearls at a jewelry store, Fuji is stunned to discover their skyrocketing cost has been caused by a mysterious shortage of the natural resource. Her determination to get to the bottom of the scarcity is accelerated by the appearance of an alligator-like kaiju named Gamakujira, who brutally attacks a shipment of pearls and begins consuming them. With the mystery solved, the SSSP takes to the skies to eliminate the threat, but missiles and bombs prove ineffective, and when they stray too close to Gamakujira, the monster hits the VTOL with a blast of superheated water from its blowhole, damaging the craft. The Science Patrol sub-VTOL is called to the scene, and after repairs, the airships work together to snare Gamakujira in an electrified net. But the pearl-hungry kaiju strikes the sub-VTOL, causing it to crash along with its pilot, Hayata. It seems like a job for Ultraman, but can Hayata be revived in time? The Pearl Defense Directive gives Hiroko Sakurai as Fuji time to shine, and she takes full advantage. Rock the pearls like a fashion model? Fight giant monsters in an elite defense squad? She can do both. And it's a blast when, in the subtitled version, she refers to herself as the First Lady of the SSSP. Additionally, director Akio Jisoji gives this episode an arresting visual flair. In particular, watch for a series of images having to do with reflection in windows, mirrors, pools, and so on. And oh yeah, Ultraman's in it too, and his finishing move against Gamakujira is really cool and underutilized in my opinion. The hero from the Land of Light is still full of surprises. For Monster Kid Radio's Beta Capsule Review, this is Mark Matsky reporting. It's 1966. The space race is on. The Cold War is heating up. And giant monsters are destroying Japan. Dai Kaiju Attack. The serialized giant monster story. Presented free every week on DaikaijuAttack.com and SDSullivan.com. Become a member of the Daikaiju Attack group on Facebook. Join the action today. The fantastic duel of the century, the most ferocious battle in history. The flesh and blood King Kong fights his most incredible enemy, a 60-foot robot King Kong forged of super steel. King Kong escapes. All new, all thrilling in Technicolor. King Kong battles missiles, monsters, and a King Kong of steel. King Kong escapes. A Toho Company limited picture, a universal release. It's 
the Monster Marathon. Now all in one gigantic show. Three of the newest and most exciting monster hits starring Earth champion and protector Godzilla. First thrill to Godzilla on Monster Island with more monsters than have ever appeared on the screen at one time. Then it's the action-packed Godzilla versus the Cosmic Monster. And finally, the classic Godzilla versus Megalon. All three in one colossal show. Rated G. This is Count Dracula, and I'm here to offer you a friendly warning. Derek and his guests often get excited, and occasionally this results in revealing key plot points of the movies they're discussing. You know how the children of the night, ah, I mean monster kids, can get sometimes. So consider yourself warned. And don't come begging to me to kill them for their transgressions afterward. I have more pressing issues to take care of, like that pesky Van Helsing. All right, Monster Kid Radio listeners, last week I said that I didn't have anything planned for this week, and I had a number of you reach out to me and say they'd be willing to step up and, you know, help out Monster Kid Radio. And, well, this week's guest is the first one who got back to me, and, you know, since I'm going to be on his show, I guess, tomorrow, yeah. <laughs> I thought, you know what, let's have Robert Kelly on from Record All Monsters, just, you know, kind of get some synergy going, get, get a little bit of cross-promotion, that sort of thing. That, that Those are the words they use, yes, right? Yes, that's the, the right word. It was, it was almost like it was fate when I was listening to your show and I was like, oh, you know what? <laughs> oh, man, man. How's it going? How have things been going with the podcast? Things have been going pretty good. Just it'll be last week now. We put out an episode doing our first giveaway. Nice. Nice. It's, uh, episode 17.5, the Gargantuan Gamera giveaway. <laughs> so last year, last summer, Arrow Video put out a terrific uh, Gamera Blu-ray set. That is not the prize. You tease. <laughs> I got that. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. And I didn't want to just resell my old Gamera DVDs and Blu-rays. Gamera's still pretty obscure here in the U.S. Not the most obscure giant monster, but most people don't know about him outside of, like, the Mystery Science Theater episodes, and uh, I thought this would be a good way to kind of raise some Gamera awareness. So there you go. Uh, go ahead and if you want to win, the prize is you get all the Gamera Showa era movies on the Shout Factory DVDs from about ten years ago. They all play; they're all in great condition. I take care of my stuff and <laughs> the Gamera Heisei trilogy by Shusei Kaneko Blu-ray, as well as you'll get a free Record All Monsters T-shirt. I have a design that's just for the winner, but if you don't like that, you can pick any design from the store and I'll send it to you for free. You've been giving me a run for my money when it comes to t-shirt designs, by the way, sir. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I started doing more of them because, you know, I, I've told you before, you, the way you run Monster Kid Radio is is something of, a, you know, a goal for me, like to have the consistency, to have the, uh, the generosity. Uh, so hmm. when you started doing more t-shirts, I was like, if Derek's doing more t-shirts... I need to do more t-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just did it because it was fun. But, you know, if people want to buy them, that helps out for sure. But no, I love the look. And I think I said this to you before, either on mic or privately or whatever. I love the logo of the show that you have here that you commissioned to have done. That 
it's just stellar. And one of these days, I'm going to go on a buying spree and just start buying T-shirts from all these other podcasters that I love and support, like yours, uh, Chris Page over at Orphan Entertainment, Christopher Page at Orphan Entertainment. has got a handful of great ones as well. I love that we are in a place now where we have the technology to design these shirts and put them out there and make them available. Uh, and, yeah, you've just been knocking it out with, with all of your stuff that you're doing, which is just great, man. Thank you. Thank you. You have two the the Peter Cushing shirt you put up not too long ago. <laughs> that one I would, that's in my cart right now. I'm like having to selectively pick what shirts I get from T Fubble. <laughs> but that one, well, that's in line. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right. So record all monsters. You can find it recordallmonsterspod.wordpress.com. Is that the best place to go? I update that pretty much every Saturday. Okay. All the links to where you can find our show on. Uh, our social medias on YouTube, on its home site on Anchor, but uh, that's probably the best place to go. Okay. Now I'm looking here. Is there a link to the T Public Shop from the website that I'm missing? That's on my link tree, under the tag "Buy Our Crap." Okay. How do we find the link tree? I want to make sure people know how to find you. It's the main link on all of our social medias. Uh, Twitter, we're at Monsters Record. Uh, search Record All Monsters podcast on Facebook. We come right up. And on Instagram, it is recordallmonsters.pod. And again, links in the show notes for people to check out. Probably have already mentioned it once in the show, and I'll mention it at the end of the show as well. Go support Robert because he is doing an incredible job with his show. I'm a huge fan. Uh, I love that there is somebody out there that loves this stuff as much, if not more than me. And, you know, just be able to hear the different perspectives when it comes to, especially giant monsters, uh, which is kind of your area of expertise, it seems. And, you know, I, I love that. So keep up the good work, man. Well, thank you, Derek. Thank you. So we're going to talk about, you know, some more modern, more recent films, but you know, there's something we got to do every week. We have somebody on the show. We got to play a game. The classic do you need some more bass in there? Some baritone? The classic five. <laughs> hey, no, I dig it, man. I dig it. The classic five. It's a game that we play on every episode of Monster Kid Radio, where I take a deck of cards and I draw, well, five of them. Each one of these cards says a this or that. Which movie do you prefer style question on them? There are no wrong answers. It's not a trivia game. It's just a way to get people talking about their favorite subject. Monster movies. Are you ready to play around with the classic five, sir? I am ready, Derek. Now... Uh, I didn't do this on purpose, but the first card that I'm drawing is from the Kaiju expansion, which I figure if anybody's going to answer a Kaiju card, you know, it's going to be somebody like you. Uh, and if these are questions that we've done in the past in any way, shape or form, just let me know and I'll just pass and move on to something else. All right, here we go. We've had Mechagodzilla and Mechanicong. What other Kaiju would you like to see a giant robot version of? You know, we we might have done this one, but I can't remember what I said. Okay. And this is probably a different answer if we did do it, but... I feel like there would be a lot of unique challenges in doing something like a Mecha Hedora. That is the furthest thing away from an answer that I would come up with myself. Because that's such a an organic... It'd just be an interesting challenge. You almost have to be like, like the Terminator 2 liquid metal or something. Mm, yes. Just basically an artificial intelligence inside of that. I think that would be fascinating if they could find a way to do it. I like that. Yeah. All right. So a uh, uh, Mecha Hedora, Hedora. I don't know what you'd call it. 
Ecadora. <laughs> that- there you go. There you go. <laughs> I like it. All right. Card number two. Uh, what is this? Universal card. Tarantula or the Deadly Mantis? That's tough. That's really tough. But I think I usually have more fun with the Deadly Mantis. Where are they? Where are the bodies? Easy. In all the kingdom of the living, there is no more deadly or voracious creature than the praying mantis. You think you'll be able to drive it out to sea? I hope so. Every device of military science, every defensive weapon, radar, planes, rockets, marshaled to destroy a thousand tons of beastly fury. A monster leaving a trail of carnage, spreading panic across a continent. Really? There's something about praying mantises that just really fascinates me. And I think some of the minute, I really like some of the miniature work in that. Really, I guess it would mostly depend on the day, but right now I'm going to say the deadly mantis. I've had more and more people come out with the deadly mantis lately. And, and I've always gone to Tarantula because it's John Agar, but mm-hmm. now I'm starting to think I need to rewatch Deadly Mantis to see what all the, the hype's about, you know? I mean, I remember liking the movie, but John Agar, you know? Yeah. Well, also, so a little little personal background, I was briefly in a religious community. I was a monk. And okay. my superior, who was a priest, reminded me very much of a large praying mantis. <laughs> So I'm I'm a big guy. I'm six foot four. I'm like two hundred and seventy pounds. Mm-hmm. He was six foot six and thin as a rail. And we'd be praying, and he would just put his hands together, kind of halfway down, and lead the prayers. And I was just like looking next to me, and this dude's a praying mantis. <laughs> and okay, some sometimes now. Now that I'm not in the community when I'm watching the Deadly Mantis, I'm like, oh, I know that guy. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Right on. All right. Well, card number three, again, from the Kaiju deck. Uh, who, who wins in a fight between Godzilla and Ultraman? Whew. So this, okay, I'm going to get real pedantic nerd on everybody here. Uh-oh. This depends on... On what Godzilla? Because Ultra Ultraman is Ultraman. There's, ult, we're not talking Ultra Seven. We're not talking Ultraman Ace. Ultraman Tar. This is Ultraman. Okay. So Godzilla's the variable. Are we talking early Showa Godzilla, late hmm. Showa Godzilla, Heisei Godzilla, legendary Godzilla? Man, they just keep bigger, getting bigger and bigger, don't they? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, you know what? We're talking original Ultraman. We'll say original Godzilla. Okay. So the original Godzilla. I think mm-hmm. Ultraman takes it pretty easily. Okay. He's got the mobility on him. He's a little smaller, but the original Godzilla is just a hulking behemoth that it can't be stopped by anything that's not remotely his size. But Ultraman, I think with that mobility and that spacium beam, he's got it. As long as he takes him out in like, what, three minutes? Is that the, the <laughs> timer? Three minutes. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> three minutes to do it. Be longer than that, and then Godzilla. <laughs> yeah, then you're in trouble. Then you need Ultraman Ace or Leo or somebody to show up to help out. Yeah. Man, I need to do more Ultraman episodes, I tell you. Love me some Ultraman. 
Give me a call when you do. I keep threatening to do uh, like a a top three ultra kaiju episode with some people. And the thing is, is that I've had every time I mention that, um, I mention it every time I talk to Mark Matsky because, you know, he does the beta capsule review on the show. But every time I mention it on the show, I usually get messages from like five or six other people. I want to do it, too. I want to do it, too, which would be great. It'd be a great roundtable episode. But yeah, <laughs> I think the best thing to do in that case because I'm, I know I'm one of the people who sent you that message. Um, <laughs> I wasn't going to call you out, you know. I wasn't going to throw you under the ultra bus or anything, you know. I think the best thing you can do is just do it with Mark. We'll all still love it. <laughs> <laughs> just do it with Mark. <laughs> My feelings won't be hurt. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> all right, card number four: favorite classic 3D movie. Okay, I'm kind of split on this one. My two answers off the top of my head, would be House of Wax and Creature from the Black Lagoon. You heard last week's episode. You've just won the Classic Five because you <laughs> mentioned Creature from the Black Lagoon. Ah, but you see, I I love Vincent Price. Uh, he's he's my guy. Um, Vin, Vincent Price is, to me, is John Agar to you. He's the hmm. the fourth head on Mount, the Mount Rushmore of classic horror. Yeah, um, I have to my right here a a poster my wife got me of Vincent Price in the House on Haunted Hill, Ooh. and I think I'm gonna have to go with House of Wax. The House of Wax, the ultimate dimension in terror, comes to the screen in Stereo Vision 3D. Vincent Price at his diabolical best will take you room by terrible room on a journey to the ultimate chamber of horrors. Stereo Vision 3D will synthesize before your eyes the terrifying reality of it all. In Stereo Vision 3D, House of Wax is more than a movie. It's an experience you'll never forget. Partly because of Vincent Price, but also its 3D gimmicks are so much more obtrusive yeah. than Creature from the Black Lagoon. Creature from the Black Lagoon never feels the need to say, hey, here's a... a Paddle ball right in your face for 10 whole <laughs> seconds. <laughs> Never threatens to knock the popcorn out of your hand, literally. Yeah. <laughs> oh, hey, watch out. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah. All right. Uh, final card. Final card. What two classic sci-fi movies would make the perfect double feature? I'm going to say The Amazing Colossal Man and The Incredible Shrinking Man. Oh, Okay. See, you started with that, and I thought, well, okay, so what? Colossal Beast, 50-Foot Woman? No, Shrinking Man. Interesting. So there's there's a, a fairy tale or something like that that I love called The, the Adventures of Peter and Paul. And I, I can't remember who it's by. But in that story, a fairy comes to these two little boys, Peter and Paul, and says, I can give each of you one wish. And Peter wishes to be an inch tall. And Paul wishes to be a hundred feet tall. And okay. uh, Paul, much like the amazing Colossal Man, is attacked on every side uh, and eventually brought down. Whereas Peter goes on his little tiny adventures and just eventually leads a very fulfilling life as a inch tall man. And while the ending to... Uh, the Incredible Shrinking Man is a little less optimistic. Mm -hmm. I think it has that same kind of heart of that story. Which one would you show first if you're doing it as a double feature? I would probably show The Amazing Colossal Man first. 
<laughs> so go out on a downer. Keep yes, everybody. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> you want to leave the theater kind of. <sighs> I guess. I know it's a downer, but the ending to The Incredible Shrinking Man actually fills me with a lot of joy, and it, it makes me cry at times. Just the, the outlook. The outlook is so beautiful. And it is, no pun intended, incredible that that ending got through and was made by a, stu- by a major studio in, the, in that time period. I mean, it, it's not a happy everything's back to normal kind of ending. It's kind of a very open-ended and it's well, incredible. Right. Well, and, and Richard Matheson wanted it to end even grimmer. Uh, yeah, but it's, I, I think as it is, uh, it's a good one. And this was a incredibly good round of the classic five. Well, thank you. I like to credit myself for that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Fair enough. I'm sorry. I, <laughs> you, can cut, you can cut that out, Derek. Oh, no, I'm using that. What are you talking about? That was great. The Classic Five. Right, so we're going to talk a little bit about what's become known as the MonsterVerse. And, you know, I find that interesting that it's called the MonsterVerse now, because I think when this whole thing started, we were kind of scrambling. We as in fans were kind of scrambling to come up with what to call this particular era of giant monster movies because we had, you know, the Showa and the Heisei and all that and, you know, the Millennium or whatever they were calling it. And I think for a while people were just calling it the legendary. Yeah. But then they came up with the official logo and the name, the MonsterVerse. And I kind of feel like they did that almost in spite of, or excuse me, to spite Universal, who was trying to get their dark universe thing up and running. <laughs> Fortunately, one was much more successful than the other. And it wasn't just because they came up with the name MonsterVerse first. No, I, I think it had something to do with better movies, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> You know what? I'm right there with you. I, I've gone on record. I, I will say it again. The Tom Cruise mummy movie was filled with so many missed opportunities and 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 ill-thought choices. Yes. But anyway. But the MonsterVerse was pretty decent, I feel like, for what they were trying to pull I, off. I, I've really enjoyed it. Every film has been, you know, they're not all quite on the same level, but I've enjoyed every one of them. Yeah, I saw every one of them theatrically. Mm-hmm. I saw them all in the theater, uh, including the last one, uh, Godzilla vs. Kong. It was actually the first movie that I went to see at the theater since the pandemic had happened. So it was quite the experience to be able to uh, enjoy a movie for the first time in over a year and have it be with the big G and double K, you know, just, it was awesome. Uh, and plus, you know, I was with some friends as well who had told me they were taking me to the movie that day and didn't really give me a choice. So, you know, that was good too. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I saw every one of them theatrically uh, when they first came out. I was pretty excited about it. Godzilla was the first one came out in 2014. And I was really intrigued by the choice of the director, Gareth Edwards, who had done, you know, some genre stuff, but, it was kind of lower budget India yeah. stuff. So to see him come in and do this, I was real curious to see what was going to happen. I was pleased. What was your, when you found out about this film at first and all that, what were your thoughts on it? So I was following it in 2012 when legendary announced that they had the rights to Godzilla. I followed like every step of it. I remember in the summer of 2013, that comic con when they put said they put out these bronze statues and they said that, one of these is the Godzilla design we've decided on. 
Mm-hmm. And like, I, I don't know if they had a contest or just wanted feedback or what, but there were eight bronze statues. And I remember just pouring over those photo, those eight photos of the statues going like, oh, is that going to be, is that going to be Godzilla? Is that going to be Godzilla? I remember that. I remember those when they put that out. I, I was, uh, so I, I said I was a monk earlier. Well, that summer, my community sent me to Canada to a, another community with limited internet access. Okay. So I could not follow any of what was happening until the movie came out in May. And when I finally got to come home from Canada, the movie had been out for a month. It was in June. And the first thing I did, the first day I got back, said hello to my family. And then I went to the theater (laughs) and I watched (laughs) Right on. Um, and it was great. I was so thrilled. It was exactly what I wanted it to be. And Gareth Edwards did a fantastic job. I know this is the first thing everyone says about him, but he has such a great sense of scale when you look at all of his movies. Just his ability to impart to you the size of these things. Like even in Rogue mm-hmm. One, when you see the people on the, on the beach and the ATATs or at ats whatever is the correct pronunciation these days just how massive they are which is something you logically know if you've seen like the empire strikes back but that film makes you feel it and it's the same with Godzilla one of the shots that always sticks out to me is when he's coming ashore in Hawaii and the soldiers are on the rooftop and they're shooting flares up and you just see his thigh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. The the scale and... Uh, I don't know how best to articulate this, but you're talking about the flares going up and all that. And one of the complaints about the movie is that it all takes place at night. It's all in the dark and the rain. You can't see anything. But I, I like that in this particular case because when there is a light source, it's very deliberate. Mm-hmm. So it forces you to look at particular areas because that's all you can see, like the flares going up or whatever. And that was a stylistic choice that I really enjoyed about the film as well, is that without getting all fancy with lens flares or anything like that, he was doing some creative things with the lighting that that I felt benefited the just the awe that seeing something like that in real life would give you. Yeah. You wouldn't be able to take it all in. And by restricting where the light is, you couldn't. And I appreciated that. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I I defend pretty much every aspect of that movie. When that movie was coming out, the Godzilla discourse, as it were, (laughs) up to that point, (laughs) uh, that we need, you know, a a dark and serious Godzilla. And I never really felt that way. But this movie, I thought, delivered a dark and serious Godzilla but keeping it in the spirit of the character. And I know everyone talks about, oh, you know, he's the the sacred beast of the apocalypse or whatever. But at this point, at this point in his history, he's as much the tail sliding, active breath flying, dancing monster who's been to space as he is an allegory for the atomic bomb. You can't separate the two halves at this point, I feel. I've I've come to look at, and people who have followed my 
career, quote unquote, in podcasting know that I spent the first few years podcasting doing a zombie podcast. And I, I've really come to view kaiju films and in particular Godzilla films as kind of the Japanese analog to what America does with a really good zombie film. It's, you know, this, they're very symbolic of whatever it is a filmmaker's trying to put across, whether it's, you know, thoughts about atomic apocalypse or consumerism with the zombie stuff over here or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I feel like you're at this point now in the character's history, the icon's history that you can kind of tell pretty much every story you want and still put a message in there as well and get away with it and still have an entertaining story. I didn't have a problem with how Godzilla was portrayed in this film at all. Neither did at I. At all. Neither did I. Yeah. I know a lot of people did. The other thing a lot of people have a problem with is Brian Cranston dying. Spoiler, yes. And I'm sure everybody knows. But <laughs> Dracula will warn everyone. They know what's That's true. <laughs> they, they know what's coming. Yeah, that was a thing. That was, I don't know if you call it stunt casting, but it's not the first time it's been done in Hollywood. It's certainly never not going to be the last. I'm sure it's been done since. You know, Drew Barrymore in Scream, Janet Lee in Psycho. You know, you put somebody big in the poster and the advertising and you off them right away. And yeah, I didn't have a problem with it either. I mean, he's probably the best actor they had in the whole thing, but... You know, to me, when people were complaining to me about that, whenever a Godzilla movie has come out in my lifetime, everyone knows I love Godzilla. Mm -hmm. So they're like, Robert, what did you think of the Godzilla movie? And, you know, when this one was coming out, I'd say, oh, I liked it a lot. They're like, but Brian Cranston died at the end of the first act. I was like, well, were you going there to see Godzilla? Or were you going there to see Brian Cranston? Because I was going to see Godzilla, and <laughs> that's a that's a really good point. <laughs> um, that's a really good point. Yeah, we weren't really going there to see Brian Cranston. That was just a bonus. Like that was the gravy, you know, the, and he the did side a, dish. He did a great job. <laughs> sure, but this this movie follows the structure of you know a classic Godzilla movie. There's a threat. Godzilla's an established presence. He shows up in the third act to, uh, you know, fight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, you look at, you know, even some of the more derided Godzilla movies, but those are the ones that really set the template. Mm -hmm. You know, you look at Godzilla versus Megalon, Godzilla versus Gigan. Godzilla's a limited presence until the third act in all of those, just like in this one. And I yeah. think it's a, I think it's a great update of those movies. Agreed. And, you know, you just said a second ago, we went to go see the movie to see Godzilla. Sure. But historically, you look at all the other Godzilla movies, he's not front and center. He's he's a presence, and he's felt for sure. Years ago, Andy Campbell did the podcast Kaiju 101, and he did an episode where he looked at the highest rated and ranked Godzilla movies versus the amount of screen time Godzilla actually has in the film and found that according to the rankings that you can find on places like the Internet Movie Database, the movies in which Godzilla is less seen in the movies actually has the higher rankings, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? And yeah, I, I think that's really what you saw in this film too. There were some complaints about some of the other human characters, you know, the, the Maximoff twins, <laughs> <laughs> uh, not necessarily being perhaps the strongest to carry the story, but you know, how do you stand up to Brian Cranston and Godzilla? And, so many of the character actors, the 
side characters, mm-hmm. Ken Watanabe and Sally Hawkins especially, you know, they put in work into that movie. Yeah, a movie like this really could have just been a paycheck for a lot of these people, but I feel like they really took it seriously. Yeah. Now, when this happened, when this movie came out, had it been announced that there were going to be more movies? What happened was kind of near the beginning of its theatrical run, I think as Comic-Con was coming up in July, they basically had to make a decision. Is this doing well enough to get a sequel? And they greenlit it. You know, and I think Toho had already brokered the deal to lease them Ghidorah, Rodan, and Mothra. Well, we had the the fun Easter eggs in this movie where we had Mothra written on a wall somewhere or uh, or the, the three dragons uh, decoration or whatever somewhere yeah. in the film to kind of just tease us maybe a little bit Easter egg kind of ha-ha moments. But I think that was fun. That was fun to see. Fun. Um, I think they definitely hoped to be able to make a sequel. Godzilla's traditionally a, a franchise character. I mean, there's 35 movies now, something like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. So it would be foolish of legendary and Warner's to not even try to get a series off the ground. But the next movie they did wasn't a Godzilla film. It was Kong Skull Island, right? Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, going into it, I knew legendary was behind it, but I don't think I knew from the very beginning that it was going to be eventually the tie in to Godzilla. See, I, I knew that because once again, I mean, King Kong and Godzilla, they're, they're my guys. They're right. I, mean, <laughs> I know I said that about Vincent Price earlier, but <laughs> you know, that's a, that's a good mix. That's a good team. You know, Godzilla, King Kong and Vincent Price. I love it. Uh, so, so <laughs> that's a movie I want to watch. That's a road trip. I want to watch. All right. That's <laughs> I told you we should have turned left at Hokkaido. Right. Uh, <laughs> so I was following this one really closely too. And the tell for me was when one day, for no reason, Legendary was no longer releasing through Warner Brothers. They were releasing through Universal. Mm-hmm. And then one day, the guy who ran Legendary at the time, Thomas Toll, just announced, oh, we're going to be releasing our Kong movie through Warner Brothers instead of Universal. And because huh. Universal has the rights to Kong, I was like, well, they wouldn't just give that up. Something's going on. And Warner Brothers has the Godzilla rights with Legendary. Okay, I think I see what's happening here. Oh, all right, all right. So I felt totally vindicated. I, I went to see it with my, my wife. We were we were engaged at the time. And uh, when that end credit scene came up, mm-hmm. a bunch of people in the theater were like, what? And I wanted to be like, I told all of you, even though I hadn't told anyone. <laughs> You didn't have a podcast yet to tell people no, about. You're like, no, that's I, what I, <laughs> but if I did, I would have. <laughs> if you just listened to me. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think by the time I finally saw it, I knew because mm-hmm. I, I think it even been spoiled for me because I didn't see it opening day or anything. It took me a little while to get to see it, but um, I was also firmly in Monster Kid Radio mode. I'm going to talk about this on the show. I know it's going to come up in movies. And, and right. to be fair, I had fun with the film. I, you know, it's, it's a very it's, fun movie. Yeah, it is a fun movie. And I think that's probably the best way to describe most of these movies are fun. Yeah. They don't follow the same 
You know, let's remind everybody about what happened when we dropped bombs of Japan. They don't have the same Beauty and the Beast story. They don't have all this stuff going on, but they're fun. And I think they're just as valid as anything else. And this one being set, what, in the 70s gave us some really cool music. Oh, man. Well, the the score was fantastic. You and I both go on and on about the scores of movies. Yeah, we do. But (laughs) the, (laughs) the blending of the score with the pop music and just how they work together with the, the soundtrack of the film. Yeah. Just terrific. And I, I really appreciated that. I never got the impression that they were trying to one up anything that had been done before. They were just trying to tell their own story. You know, they weren't trying to one up the original Kong versus Godzilla. They weren't trying to one up the seventies King Kong film or whatever. It was just its own thing. And I, I think I appreciated that, that Legendary overall through the entire thing wasn't trying to just do a greatest hiss of what's come before, but it's given us something a little bit new, a little bit different. Yeah, I was so happy with that movie. I had a great time with it. And one thing, I, I love Kong so much. Mm-hmm. And we've seen his story told pretty much the same way three times. Yeah. And all of those movies have their merits. I will stand, I will fight anyone who doesn't like the first one for any reason. I'll just kind of shake my head at anyone who badmouths the 76 one because it has its charms. Yeah, um, no, I, I like it actually. So, yeah. And I like the Peter Jackson one, but I have many, 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 many criticisms. <laughs> mm-hmm. But at this time, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but. Uh, at this time, you know, we've seen this three times. Everyone knows the beats of the King Kong story. So it was nice to see him get an ending where he is in a bloody puddle at, you know, in a major metropolitan area. Yeah. I love Kong as well. Um, I think of the three film versions that we've seen you know, prior to this one. The first one is my favorite. You know, it's just it's such a classic. And I really like the 76. Uh, I really do. It's uh, I, I really warmed up to it over the years. And I think it's got a lot of stuff to it that's great. The Peter Jackson one feels a little bloated and like, hey, I get to make a fan film kind of <laughs> to me. But, you know, it's still got some moments in it that are kind of neat. But you're right. They all end on a very tragic note because man did something stupid. It's not yes. Kong's fault that he's trying to kill everybody to get away from people. You, we, we took him from his home. We kidnapped him and, you know, we, we did this to him. And it's a sad story at the end. And, and I appreciate that we didn't have that here. I mean, they are trying to kill Kong and I knew they weren't going to because it just wasn't that kind of movie going into it. But, you know, it's still a different like you said, different ending. I, I did appreciate that. And then that stinger at the end, man, that, that reveal. It's like, oh, oh, yeah, here we go. I don't think it did, but in my mind, that stinger ends with a clip of Ken Watanabe going, let them fight. <laughs> I don't think it did either, but now when I think about it, that's what's going to play in my head. <laughs> let them fight. Yes. Uh, but we don't get Kong in the next one. No. Uh, we, we go straight to Godzilla, King of the Monsters, which... You know what? I'm going to say it's probably my favorite of the four. Um, Derek. Mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I like the other ones, too. There, there, there were moments in the first Godzilla film where I 
practically stood up and cheered because through the entire film, he's not using his atomic breath at all. Almost to the point to where I kind of forgot that Godzilla can do that. And when he d- gives that kiss of death to the Muto in the first Godzilla film, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I swore at the top of my lungs in the theater. like, holy cheese. Like, yeah. Uh, uh. I cried. I cried. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, Kong Skull Island was fun too, but I really had a lot of fun with King of the Monsters. There's a lot of it that I really enjoy. A lot. And, and we'll talk about it, I'm sure. But when it came to King of the Monsters, you were, I saw you, listeners, I'm actually doing this on a Skype video call. So I saw Robert's reaction. <laughs> but uh, for, for the people who can't, you know, aren't in the room with me right this second, which is like my cat. Robert, I, appre- I assume you appreciated this one quite a bit. <laughs> yes. Oh, my goodness. I, uh, it probably is my favorite of them as well. Yeah. I, think it is objectively the best one but for me oh man this so i I was talking earlier about how um the 2014 movie is you know a good sensible serious update of a late showa godzilla movie sure this one was like why be serious and sensible (laughs) It just made a late Showa era Godzilla movie with big budget Hollywood effects. And mm-hmm. I loved it. I loved it so much. I saw it in the theater five times. Uh, wow. The only movie I've seen more in the theater was Pacific Rim. And that was because not only did I love it, people knew I was going to be leaving for Canada at that time. So everyone who wanted to see me when I could see people was saying, well, let me take you to the movies. They got this giant monster movie out. You love that stuff. Um, (laughs) (sighs) But this, this movie, oh, it just hit all the right notes. And I remember when, when the trailer, the first trailer came out and it had that shot you could see of the, planes coming up behind Godzilla. Oh man. This is what I've always wanted. This is that. Oh, I, so I watched the trailer like a hundred times. That's hyperbole. Uh, (laughs) And then Captain America, civil war, maybe what was the, the big Marvel movie that year? I don't remember to be honest. Yeah, I, I have not, somebody's yelling at it. Their podcast yeah. on their pod player right now, their iPod or whatever. So they should know that we do know. We're just trying to frustrate them. That's uh, it. Yeah. See, we're just testing you. See. <laughs> so what? Godzilla King of the Monsters twenty nineteen. So it was, was twenty eighteen that the trailer was in the theaters. That's twenty. Um, uh, Black Panther, Infinity War. It was Infinity War. Okay. Okay. My sister and I went to see Infinity War. And they played the trailer for King of the Monsters before it. And when the the music sting of the Claire de Lune comes on, I don't know how many times I said I started crying on this episode, but I started crying. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) It It was just beautiful. Oh, it was beautiful. And my sister was like, are you crying? I was like, it's beautiful. Look at that. Oh, man. Yeah. 
there's just so much buildup for me to that movie. And the same sister actually surprised me. I was going to see it on uh, the Friday it came out because I had to work early that day. And she surprised me when I was getting off work Thursday night and said, I have tickets for the the showing, the first showing tonight for Godzilla King of the Monsters. And she basically kidnapped me from work uh, <laughs> to go see it. And it was, we just had a great, great time. And this, this moment is actually the genesis of Record All Monsters. Okay. Because when we got to the theater, I noticed the demographics of people there. It was mostly, I, I don't know what, pe- people of color, men okay. specifically, who were in their late 20s to maybe late 50s accompanied by slightly bored-looking women and children, <laughs> including my sister and I. I don't. Uh, you might not know from my name, but if you've listened to Record All Monsters, you do know that I'm Mexican, and mm-hmm. I, uh, or I'm, I'm, I am from America, <laughs> but I am of Mexican right. descent. Some people say very visibly so. So my sister and I fell in that demographic as well, you know? Okay. And what was funny was all the the men who were they were they were wearing, and this is a, a broad generalization of the crowd there. There were all kinds of people, but this is what kept sticking out to me and seemed to be the majority of the crowd. They're all wearing Godzilla T-shirts. I was too, <laughs> and they seem kind of timid until the movie started, and then there's like this energy in the audience, like yes. And by the time the monsters start showing up, the whole theater's cheering, screaming, clapping, laughing. Like, it was like I was in a room with, you know, 200 other me's. Uh, (laughs) So I just got to thinking, what what is it about Godzilla and monsters like Godzilla that gets people like me? And not just with the demographics, but that was what got me thinking about it. Right. Right. What gets us so into this? And just the thoughts on that, and then rewatching King Kong a few months later, you know, that spawned an essay from those thoughts, and that spawned a podcast, and now I'm, you know, 20 something episodes in. And I think I've said this, not as so many words, but I've said this from the beginning of your show that I appreciate that you bring a different perspective to the films that I will never have. Mm-hmm. Because of my my background, you know, it, it's it's not. You know, I'm not of Mexican descent. I'm not, you know, uh, of that. And I love that you are so willing to share your perspective. And I'm not saying, listeners, that his episodes that, that your episodes are all, you know, this is what I think about a man of Mexican descent. I mean, it's not that. But no. you know, you can't help but have a different take on some of those right. things than I'm going to or somebody else, and that's fine. And and that's what I appreciate. It's just a different voice, a different opinion, right? A different take. And, and that's I, I say that in the very first episode of Record All Monsters, not because mm-hmm. I want to be like, you can't appreciate this the way I, someone on the outside of society, can. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. I'm saying it because it informs the way I watch these things. And I didn't even realize it until that night seeing Godzilla King of the Monsters. Yeah. And uh, I think everyone brings something of that their own mm-hmm. 
to these movies and Godzilla King of the Monsters again. We've gotten so deep on what's probably the biggest, most popcorny uh, one of these <laughs> movies. <laughs> but true, yeah. <laughs> it, it's just such a good time, and there's there's no way. I mean, there are ways that without my background, I could have come to love these movies as much as I do. But I came to love them as much as I do through who I am. Mm -hmm. And accepting that I loved these movies back when I was in high school, which this is what the whole series of Record All Monsters is building to, helped me accept myself. You know? It gave me so much more confidence. It gave me so much more uh, enthusiasm for life in general because... I was comfortable with who I was and it was because I was comfortable that I liked Godzilla. Right on. Also, I liked the part where he eats Ghidorah's head. <laughs> that was pretty darn cool. <laughs> that was cool. Yes. Yeah. See, bring it back to the popcorn. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, okay. So I'm going to bring it up. You already kind of touched on it a little bit. Of the four films, this one has got my favorite music. I'm a big fan of Bear McQuarrie's work. Uh, I, I have yeah. been for a long time. And no, it's not Blue Oyster Cult. I know that. But I even like the way the cover of Godzilla is used in the opening credits with the drums coming in and all that. Oh, I, I completely agree. Oh. And, you know, I, I think this, this may... You already know how to contact me, listeners. So uh, <laughs> go ahead. Direct your ire. Just do it at my YouTube channel because I need the traffic there. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I I like that version of the song better than Blue Oyster Cold. Wow! Because of the drums, because of the horns, because of the chanting. Yeah. It just it feels the way that song always sounded in my head. Gotcha. Okay. And, yeah, come at me. <laughs> you know, I, I feel like this one, I mean, not just that, but like the entire thing, I feel like some of the themes from the classic Toho films were incorporated really well in the rest of the score. Um, but yeah, going back to that yeah. opening credit, man, I saw the movie. As soon as I got out of the movie, I pulled up my phone, went to Amazon Music, downloaded the score, plugged it into my car radio and just blasted it as I was driving home. Um, yeah. It's not Blue Oyster Cult, <laughs> I know, but dude, the Tycho drumming. That was, oh. it's wonderful. Oh my God. Uh, oh my Godzilla. <laughs> no. There you go. <laughs> uh, that was actually on my Spotify, my number one played song for 2019. <laughs> yeah, the music in this is fantastic. Bear McCreary, I found him because of this movie. I hadn't really heard much of his scoring before consciously. Hmm. It had stood out and then I'd be like, oh, I'll look it up later. And so as I was going back through his credits, I was like, oh, that was, that was him. But he could have taken a very easy way out if he decided to incorporate the classic Godzilla themes. Mm -hmm. But he did variations on them. He incorporated his own, uh, his own original music into the old themes, and that was great. I also, I really did like Alexandre Desplat's, if I'm saying that right, score for 2014, yeah, it was good too. And and I've got all the scores here and I've listened to them all repeatedly because that's what I do. But <laughs> yeah, and, and it was good. It was good. His score had a lot more subtle callbacks. For example, the, the music after Godzilla blows off the female Muto's head. Um, <laughs> it It is a reversal of 
the opening theme to Godzilla Raids Again. The notes are played at the same intervals, but they're just opposite of each other. Oh, wow. And then the, the descending strings after that are the notes from the Godzilla cartoon from Hanna-Barbera. See, I, I didn't know that. So wow. There, there are a lot of, there are actually a lot of subtle callbacks to previous Godzilla music in the splat score, but just having it explicit, like finally having it like, yes, this feels right. Yes. Like don't, don't make me think about it. Let me watch Godzilla punch some other monsters. <laughs> yes. Ah. Oh, oh man. Yeah. The, I mean, just mm, the score, uh, Ghidorah is just fantastic. Rodan. Uh, Rodan is one of my favorites. And I think I've said that on yeah. the show. I think people know. I love Rodan. And to have him doing or have Rodan doing the, the flybys over the buildings and everything being destroyed in its wake. Dude. It's gorgeous. And again, and there's callbacks again mm-hmm. in that. Uh, the guy clinging to the pillar, like the guy clinging to the tree in the original Rodan. Mm-hmm. Just, just calling back to all this mythology, essentially. It was it was handled in such a way that us fans, us longtime fans, were able to enjoy it. But people who had never even seen or heard of Rodan or Mothra or any of them could <laughs> yeah. still get it and still enjoy it. It didn't diminish anything for people who weren't aware of the background. Yep. Which is one of the things I, I really liked about it. It's a very accessible Godzilla movie that rewards a close watch. Mm-hmm. Now I want to go back and rewatch it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if listeners can hear, but my cat Wednesday is wanting some attention. So sorry about that, listeners. Ah, that's fine. We all know and love Wednesday. Yeah. All right, well, let's move on to the last film, or the most recent film. I I don't know if it's the last film or not. Who knows? I hope. Did you say you hope not, or you hope so? I I hope it is not the last one. Uh, And that would be, you know, Godzilla Kong, which... Mm -hmm. I mean, it gave us exactly what it said it was going to give us. <laughs> Just what it said on the it, it really did. Um, and I, I know that I said the lot in the previous one was my, my favorite. This one's good, too. I mean, I, I enjoyed a lot of this one as well. I think the fight scenes in particular are just phenomenal and so good. Wonderful. I took my dad to see it at our, our local drive-in on its opening oh, night. Oh, wow. And my dad... We, we joke that he's a big monkey all the time. My dad looks just like me. I look just like my dad, rather. But he is just smaller and squarer. Okay. I'm 6'4". He's about 5'10". So if I if he's a big monkey, what am I? Uh, well. <laughs> but, <laughs> but we joke about that all the time. And as soon as he heard about this, Godzilla versus Kong, he was just like, oh, I'm Team Kong. Like, <laughs> like, why? He's like, because I like Kong. I relate to Kong. I'm like Kong. All right. And uh, I actually I gave him my King Kong Escapes T-shirt to wear when we went to the movie. Oh, I love that one. That's so cool. <laughs> and there, there was this guy walking around asking people what team they were on: Team Godzilla, Team Kong. And. My dad, he said, was the only person who had said Team Kong. Nice. <laughs> the whole night. And 
uh, we actually, for Father's Day, my wife and I got him a, a T-shirt. That's a beautiful uh, painting of Kong, and it says Team Kong on the bottom. Nice. Oh, this movie. I, I was just thrilled watching it. Every second, I was enthralled. And I wound up seeing this one three times in the theater. And then twice on HBO Max. I can't remember. Did I talk about on the show how I thought I was about to watch it on HBO Max? But I, I don't think you, so I think you told me. I don't think yeah. it's in the show. So I thought, you know, and listeners, if I'm repeating myself, I apologize. But I sat down to watch this on HBO Max, and I was all ready to go. Got some popcorn that, you know, I had from the Jeff, uh, from the Joy Theater delivered by Jeff Pullier. You know, I was, I was ready to go. Had my drink. Wednesday was sitting on the couch next to me. I'm loading it up. Movie starts in what 1400 something or other Japan. I'm thinking, okay. Cool, interesting choice to start a Godzilla movie this way. All right, cool. There's ninjas. Well, that's that's new. Um, didn't expect that. That guy's making ice. I was watching Mortal Kombat instead. <laughs> so I accidentally watched Mortal Kombat instead of Godzilla versus Kong that night. <laughs> I just hit the wrong button. Fortunately, Jeff and one of his partners took me out to see Godzilla versus Kong in the theater, which I'm glad because that's really the way to see it. Uh, for the first time, I thought just well, I I was fighting with myself all that that day, yeah, to uh, to not watch it before I went to the drive-in. Oh man! And I, I have a very good friend. He he's been on the show before. Who we were like basically telling each other, "Stay strong, stay strong," <laughs> uh, <laughs> and eventually we decided we'd allow ourselves to watch. The first five minutes, uh-huh. like a teaser. Yeah. And I was able to turn it off because that's exactly when the opening credits end. So you get the little scene with Kong at the beginning mm-hmm. and then the opening credits start and then they end. And I was like, five minutes, turning the TV off, turning. I cannot get stuck here. I also waited to do it right before I had to leave for work that day. Oh, so okay. That, All right. That. You know, if my willpower failed, well, the clock was going <laughs> to punish me. <laughs> nice. But I, I don't even know what to say about it beyond that it's so much fun. It's just so much fun. There's so many cool little deep cuts, too. Uh, it reminded me, it was almost, it felt like if they had used King Kong Escapes as the basis. <laughs> because it's about a, a mad scientist with weird governmental military ties, maybe using Kong to mine some unknown element from the center of the earth going through Antarctica. And they even get him to Antarctica by tying him up to helicopters in a net. It's just what a bonkers way to make a big budget King Kong movie for an American audience. in (laughs) The year of our Lord, 2021. Yeah. Slap Godzilla into King Kong escapes. Okay. <laughs> there are a handful of shots in this that felt like they were set up specifically so that Universal or whoever could seamlessly port them into a motion simulator theme park ride. Absolutely. Especially when they're coming out of the hollow earth. Yeah. And they like fly past Godzilla's mouth and like over Kong's head. Like mm-hmm. when, when does the ride open? Right? <laughs> I'm in, man. I'm I'm I'll go to that. 
I'm in. I, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not even a theme park guy, but like, I will. Orlando, California. Where Where am I going? Right. It's a it's foregone conclusion. I'm going I, when and where. I would see that <laughs> for sure. For sure. And I can't take credit for this observation, but it was really, really nice to see Alexander Skarsgård in a movie where he's not brooding and he's not the villain. Yes. Or, or in something where he's not a villain. Because, you know, we, we watched True Lies when it was on here for the first several seasons. And, you know, he's kind of an anti-hero, but he's a brooding vampire. Oh, you yeah. know, whatever. So, but, but, you know, <laughs> it was nice to see him not doing that for once in a genre picture kind of a light goofy scientist i mean there's some yeah. there's you know loss in his backstory but that that's not like what's motivating him right i mean he's vulnerable which you don't normally see in the portrayals of the characters he plays and it's just it was nice to see and i i liked his performance a lot and i would like to see him do more where he's not the anti-hero or the big bad or whatever because i thought he did just yeah. fine but he did great and this is the first one that really had like returning characters too did well i guess we had watanabe in the second godzilla yeah, film yeah kind of as a, a a bridge yeah uh, and i kind of like that approach i i never like i didn't really care much for the like super heavy continuity of the godzilla heisei era but I do like having some returning characters, you know, to keep it kind of grounded in this world. So we did have Millie Bobby Brown. We had Kyle Chandler turn yeah. back up. I was so disappointed, though, when I read later that originally they were going to have a scene with Charles Dance, that Charles Dance was going to come back and it didn't happen. Yeah. I would have loved to have seen that because I love Charles Dance. I do, too. I was Well, going back to King of the Monsters, I had this theory that his character was going to be Tom Hiddleston from Kong Skull Island. Oh! And that he was working against Monarch because they basically kidnapped him at the end of Skull Island to keep him quiet. That's a neat idea. And, you know, I'm not precious about my, my personal fan theories. The Right. It's not going to ruin the movie for me if I was wrong. But, so I, w I was disappointed that it didn't happen. Then I was disappointed he didn't come back for this one. It would have been great to he see is, him. He is in the novelization. If anyone wants to read the novelization. Okay. Not for long, but he's there. And the novelization is a lot of fun. You get some weird, cool scenes, uh, including at the very beginning, uh, Godzilla releases a giant squid Titan from an oil rig. Wow. Just cool stuff. Just cool stuff in there. Cool. Well, we talked about how this one is the most recent one. Didn't the deal pretty much come to an end and now it's just whether or not they're going to renegotiate? Is that kind of where things are right now? From what I can tell, yeah. Toho is happy with these movies on an artistic level, if not a financial one. I think they feel like Godzilla's in good hands mm -hmm. with, with Legendary. And so I think from what I've read that they're they want to renew the contract basically. I don't know under what terms I think I know they've loosened a lot of their licensing terms over the past few years because they've been pretty harsh. For example, like when they had the contract with NECA toys to do the collectibles, they made NECA license each monster separately. Hmm. And I think and this is just from what I've read. I mean, maybe everyone I've been talking with is, Full of excrement. I know, like like me, you try to keep it a, a yeah. PG here. <laughs> um, and then now they have a contract with Super 7 to do the collectible toys. 
and they've basically done it as a whole license. Godzilla means all the characters as well. Interesting. Okay. They're loosening up. I think it's in part because they're happy with what Legendary has done. I hope it means that we get more, you know, big budget Godzilla movies. I know Godzilla Kong did really well on HBO Max. You know, it was a weird year because of the pandemic and everything in terms of theatrical releases and what numbers you really look at now to see what was successful or not. But it did really well uh, for streaming. And I guess it did well theatrically too, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and every time I went to see it, it was packed. You know, it wasn't packed when we went to see it, but it was probably as full as it could have been. Yeah. You know, with, with how things were, were at the time. Uh, and there was a good crowd in there and people were having a blast. We, we sat around through the end credits and Jeff had even seen the movie before like three or four times. So he mm-hmm. knew there was no post-credit sequence. I was kind of hoping there might be something. So I didn't mind sitting around and waiting, but we weren't the only ones sitting around waiting. There were a lot of people just kind of hanging out, waiting, just yeah. enjoying the music and enjoying just having been there, you know? Well, and speaking of the music, I mean, we don't get any repeat themes, but true, the music very good it is good it's it's not my favorite but i do think it's good for sure well and i, I really do like the theme they used for godzilla again it's like uh Desplat score for the godzilla movie it's very reminiscent there are little callbacks in it mm-hmm. even if it's not exactly what you're expecting to hear yeah also just again on the note we talked about from skull island it's so nice to for kong to get a happy ending for once. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he got a little bit of that with, with King of the Monsters and all, but you know, for the most part, yeah, it was kind of nice to just, you know, have the monsters kind of be okay at the end, you know? Yeah. For both Godzilla and Kong to, to not, (laughs) neither one of them died. (laughs) I, I love, I love at the end that Godzilla's like, basically leaning against the wall and Kong's like leaning against the building and they're just like, are we good? Are we good? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. We're good. (laughs) We're good. Oh man, man. Yeah, no, it, it is good. Uh, it is, and it's good music and everything, but I, again, I think King of the Monsters is my favorite of the four. Just, I, I, I got to agree with you. I've got to agree with you. Which is why I'm going to invite you back to the show in the future. So, you know, since we get... <laughs> well, you know. Uh, if anything else happens with Legendary, you know, in this series of films, great. If not, we ended on a good note. I hope something happens. I felt like that's how they were approaching it. They were like, we don't know if we're going to be able to renew this license. Let's... Let's go out on a high note. And they really did. If, if this is indeed the end, which I hope it isn't. Yeah. Same, same. Well, thanks for, you know, reaching out and saying, be happy to do the show. I, I appreciate it. And I appreciate you helping me out here with MKR. And I appreciate what you do so much. Record all monsters, which you can find on pretty much all the podcast catchers these days. Uh, but you are associated with anchor. Did I hear you say that? Yes. Anchor is my host site. Um, and uh, that's that's where the links on the website primarily go to. On our link tree, we also have a separate link that's just where to listen. And that has all, I think it's like 25 uh, podcatchers that I know of that we're on. And I'm trying to keep that list as up to date as I can. Holy cow. Wow, that's a good idea. I should do that. Look at that. You're inspiring me, man. 
Oh, thank you. You, it's just returning the favor. We'll call it. <laughs> yeah, iHeartRadio, Google Podcast, Pandora, all of them. Excellent. Audible, good. You're on Audible. Excellent. Yeah. So listeners, check that out. Now, uh, for people who don't know Linktree, uh, it's just it's Linktree spelled out, except there's a dot before the double E at the end. So it's L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash record all monsters. Uh, again, link in the show notes. And you're going to get to where you can listen, the website, the Facebook, the Twitter, the gram, all of it's there. So go check him out. Listen to his show and check out his episode tomorrow because I'm on there to talk about. It was one of the Nick Adams films. Monster Zero. Monster Zero. I I came up with that all by myself and didn't need anybody to whisper into my ear what it was. (laughs) Oh, Oh, man. Which was a blast. And I can't wait to hear. uh, A lot of fun. I I can't wait to hear you make me sound like I know what I'm talking about on your show. So it it needed very little editing. Ah, well, I'll tell you. (laughs) Well, you're a professional, man. Well, now I am. <laughs> those, those those early episodes of Record All Monsters, I'm proud of the content in them. I wish I had just known a little bit more what I was doing. But I, that's how uh, you learn. I, that's yeah, how you learn. I feel the same way. Uh, I get people who will just find the show. I'm like, I can't wait to go back and listen to all the older episodes. Like, you, you don't have to. But, <laughs> okay. Uh, so... I'm on your show tomorrow. Anything new coming up that you want to talk about? Anything in the works? Well, so uh, we're coming up on the end of this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we're, we're doing the show in seasons just so I can try and balance my work and my my family and the podcast. And so we're coming up on the end of this season. Uh, it's going to be 21 full episodes on 21 movies. And there's usually something, in, but usually so far always, Something in between, something entertaining, some kind of bridge between the movies. For example, next week, from when you're listening to this, we're doing a clip show of sorts with some new segments talking about the recurring theme of how so many of us discovered Godzilla on VHS. Nice. Okay. Because there's a a little bit of that uh, in the essay portion of the Monster Zero episode. Okay. And then in the next full episode on the movie, the magic serpent, which I had a hell of a time finding. We talk about, you know, how hard it is to find some of these movies. So I felt talking about Godzilla on VHS was a great bridge. Sure. Between those two subjects. I mean, back to so the VHS got, days, it, it was tough. It was I'm sure. And I mean, we have a new contribution from a friend of our show, Stephen white of super mega crash brothers, turbo, he sent me in 10 minutes of talking about Godzilla and King Kong movies on VHS and his memories of that. And we have clips from previous episodes with, uh, author John LeMay with, uh, Gargantu cast host, Chris McDonald, and some of our recurring guests. Nice. On record all monsters as well. So, and in addition to that, we've got, uh, one more big special coming up at the end of the year. And I, I, Derek, I think you're involved in it. Oh, um, oh yeah? At, at the end of our season, we'll be having a little award show. We're calling it the Rammies. Short Record All Monsters Rammies. Um, yeah, that'll be fun. That'll be fun. You'll be able to vote in that after the episode on War of the Gargantuas comes out. And we will put out a l- little award show 
little segments hosted by various guests we've had over the past year, including Derek. That'll be fun. That'll be a lot of fun. That's coming up probably we're thinking way ahead on this probably early september sounds good man uh i again i i love what you're doing i'm glad you're part of the pod of uh, the podcast space i can't wait to hear what comes next and uh anything that i can do to help out you know i got your back man thank you derek and likewise you know you you need anything here you need a last minute guess you need someone to just come on and be smug about monster movies <laughs> 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 Sheer stark terror grips you in underwater 3D in Creature from the Black Lagoon. The most terrifying monster of the ages rises from the sea, raging with pent-up passions. Making every man his mortal enemy, every woman's beauty his prey. Creature from the Black Lagoon in 3D, starring Richard Carlson and Julie Adams. Every horrifying scene leaps out of the screen right at you. A universal re-release rated G. Vampires. Werewolves. Zombies. Yes, these things are real, but fortunately for those of us who can afford him, so is Mark Temple. And he's good. Real good. He's a former FBI agent turned freelancer with the knowledge and skills to eliminate your monster problems. And his rates are negotiable. Monster Hunter for Hire, the first volume of the Supernatural Solutions, The Mark Temple Case Files, is now available in both ebook and paperback. Go to tinyurl.com slash monsterhuntertemple to buy your copy of Derek M. Cook's latest book. Read about Mark Temple, the experienced professional now available to rid you of your supernatural, ghoulish, and monstrous pests. That's tinyurl.com slash monsterhuntertemple. And don't worry, Mark Temple is discreet. Listening to this week's episode of Monster Kid Radio. Big thanks to Robert Kelly for making this episode happen by stepping up and just joining me to talk about some of our favorite giant monster movies of the past few years. That was a lot of fun. Once again, check him out at Record All Monsters. I'll make sure there are plenty of links in the show notes. But yeah, just look up Record All Monsters. It's on so many different podcatchers and directories these days. You can't help but find it. Check it out. Let them know that you heard about them here on Monster Kid Radio. And then tomorrow, listen to the newest episode, because I'm going to be on that episode, and that's going to be a lot of fun, too. If you have any feedback about what we talked about this week here on the show, well, there's a way you can send it in. Hey, a monster's in the machine. Let the people know how they can get a hold of us. You can call and leave a voicemail for Monster Kid Radio at 503-810-5MKR. That's 503 810 5657. Or you can send an email to the podcast. MonsterKidRadio at gmail.com is the email address. That's MonsterKidRadio at gmail.com. That information is, of course, available on our website at MonsterKidRadio.net, where you're going to find links to everything we've talked about here on the show, including Record All Monsters, the things that Mark Matsky's up to. You're going to find links that are our Amazon affiliate links for every one of the movies of the legendary line, but... You know, not the most recent one. It's not out on disc yet. But if you want to pick up Godzilla, King of the Monsters, uh, just Godzilla, Kong Skull Island, please consider using one of those buttons to go to Amazon to check it out. In fact, please use one of those buttons to go to Amazon anytime you buy something from Amazon because we get a little bit of scratch back every time you do that. So please help support the show that way. You can always support the show by sharing tweets, reposting posts, and 
retweeting Facebook messages and um, yeah, just for spreading the word. Thank you for doing that. I really appreciate it. Next week on the show, what are we going to have? Well, we've got a longtime friend of the show who's actually only been on the show once, and that's when I shoved a microphone in her face <laughs> at a monster bat. Okay, it was a lot more polite than that. But Penny Dreadful is a horror host that has supported Monster Kid Radio over the years. You know, she even let us show one of her programs on a Monster Kid movie club stream not too long ago. Her civilian identity, the person behind the horror host, has launched a new podcast. Danielle Galerter has launched Terror at Column 1. It's all about Dark Shadows. And, well, she's coming on the show next week to talk about Dark Shadows, her history with Dark Shadows, and her podcast. I'm really excited for that. This podcast has quickly become one of my favorites. I'm not just saying that because I consider Danielle a friend, but... It's Dark Shadows, and her passion just bleeds through the speakers, man. It's such a good show. So come back for that next week. I mentioned the Monster Kid Movie Club stream this weekend. We are having a Dr. Mabuse, or Mabuse, or Mabuse, however it's pronounced. We're having a Dr. Mabuse day at the stream. We're showing nothing but movies about Dr. Mabuse. And that includes Ansel Farage's... Yeah, I guess we could call it a trilogy. There are two longer films and then a short film that he did featuring the character. And that short film actually took home the Rondo Award for Best Short Film. So, yeah, you don't want to miss that. Plus, we're going to be showing Fritz Lang's silent film adaptations of Dr. Mabuse in the second half of the day. So that should be a good time as well. Come back for that. If you were in the stream last weekend and you were involved in the giveaway for the T-shirt that we were doing, you know, the, the drawing that we do. And, you know, you might have noticed we didn't do a live drawing on the show last Saturday. So this Saturday, we'll announce the winner of that. So if nothing else, you want to come to see if you won the T-shirt, right? We do have a Stuff With Character giveaway lined up for this weekend as well, thanks to Tracy Morris. So that's it. That brings us to the end of the show. Until, well... However you interact with us next, remember that Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio, LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio, LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution on commercial no derivatives 3.0 unported license. Of course, that doesn't apply to the song Percolator. That belongs to Frankie and the Pool Boys, which you can find on Bandcamp and Facebook. Check them out. Check out all of their music and let them know that you heard about them here on Monster Kid Radio. My name is Derek M. Cook. I'll talk to everybody next week. Ciao. Mm -hmm.